thank you for that grace. We wouldn't make it through a day without that grace. We wouldn't make it through our life. We wouldn't make it to your presence without that grace. Thank you, Lord, that you love us anyway. You love us anyway. And your heart is turned towards us. And your grace abounds to us. Thank you for it, Lord. Pray, Father, that as we continue on with this time we're together in your presence, that that grace opens the eyes of the blind, that it opens the ears of the deaf. Physically, yes. Physical blind. Audible deaf. But also spiritual blindness and spiritual deafness. Father, I pray that we hear and we see the truth of who you are and the truth of who we are and your plan for us. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What I need you to do before you sit down is find someone who is either a mother or your mother and give them a hug and tell them that you love them. Good morning. Oof. Happy Mother's Day. All right. So today we finally get to start talking about tithes. Okay. And where I'd like to start is um, at the first mention of tithes in the Bible, Genesis 14. This is, if you remember, this is a story of, this is a story where um, Abraham, or actually Abram at the time, and his 318 servants defeated King Shador Lamor and the four armies that were allied with him after they attacked uh, Sodom and captured his nephew Lot. So, starting at verse 17. After his, Abram's, return from the defeat of Shadolamor and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Why? Why in the world would he give him a tenth of everything or a tithe of all the spoils? What motivated him to do it? This is before... The law. This is before tithing was a requirement of the law of Moses. It was before God made it a requirement of his people. If we, if we look in the next couple of verses, we can get a sense for why he did. Verse 21. And the king of Sodom, the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. So Abram is basically saying, I've committed to God to let the world know that God alone is my source. That God alone has enabled me to defeat these armies, that God alone is why I'm blessed and rich. If you look before, it said that God was exceeding, or um, Abram was exceedingly rich. So again, I'll ask, why did Abram tithe? It was a heart motive, right? It was a desire of his heart to honor God with his money. He was so thankful to God for what he'd done for him he wanted to honor him. And he didn't, he didn't tithe because it was obviously some religious requirement. Like, like I said, it wasn't part of the law yet. 
He wanted to thank and honor God for what he had done in his life. So, then I'll ask the question of you all. Why do we tithe? Why do we tithe? One of the reasons we tithe is because we want to honor God. We want to thank Him for everything that He's done for us, everything that He's given us, everything that He's blessed us with. And even if, circumstantially, you, have, you think you have absolutely no reason to, to thank God, He gave us Jesus. Right? He gave us a Redeemer. He redeemed us from the curse. And He gave us His Word. He gave us hope. He gave us hope that we can be victorious. He gave us hope that we can be delivered from whatever we're going through. He gave us hope that we can experience and live in His blessing. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we we do come to You and we thank You for everything that You've done for us. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your blessing. We honor you with our finances. We honor you with our tithes and our offerings. Knowing that you will multiply it. Knowing that you will continue to bless it. And bless us as a result. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. 2 Timothy chapter 1, begin with verse 4. says this, As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave, his, gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, why did I read those verses? Because, you know, the whole spirit, power, love, and self-control part doesn't necessarily apply. And, you know, the, the uh, mention of his grandmother and his mother are a, a passing brief, uh, uh, by the way, shout out to his, to his mom and grandmother. But there's not a lot said in the Bible about people's mothers, is there? It's usually passing. It's usually, oh, by the way, yes, he had a mother. Well, that's nice. We all did, except Adam and Eve. But isn't that interesting? I, I, I've been thinking all morning that, that uh, motherhood is probably the, uh, the least thankless job. Is that the right way to say it? Most thankless job. You're right. The most thankless job out there. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate that. That actually moves things along quite well. Listen to what I'm thinking and saying and wanting to say, not what I'm actually saying. That that helps. That helps a lot. But motherhood is a is a thankless job. All the all the pain, all the suffering, all the time, all the everything that a mother puts into a child from the moment that they're conceived until that mother goes on to be with the Lord and going to get the real reward that she deserves. Because it ain't going to happen here, Mom. Sorry. I wish I could I wish I could tell you today and here is where you're going to receive all that. It's not. It's just not. Because Nobody really understands what it what it takes to be a mom except a mom. Now I guarantee you he's he's talking about his you know Timothy's grandmother and mother and and how you know wonderful of women they are. But you know did Timothy really appreciate his mother and grandmother? Did did Jesus the Son of God, the, the King of kings, the Lord, the, the Creator of the universe, do you think that He really appreciated His mother? Yes? yes? Let me read you a verse. <laughs> I, 
I was just going to, you know, I was going to throw it out there, but turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. It's actually in three of the Gospels. It's not in John because John was in charge of taking care of Jesus' mother after he died. And I'm sure he still had to deal with her, so he didn't put it in there. I love it when I can tell you're following. Yeah, exactly. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. Jesus has been teaching. Jesus has been preaching. And this happens. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward the disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Wow. Now, you and I know that he's not dissing his mom. He's making a point. What's really important was what he was doing. He had already, as a child at 12 years old, wandered off to the temple against, you know, I mean, it wasn't against their will, you know. I, the kids are great. Well, you didn't tell me I couldn't go back to the temple and, and not show up for three days and not tell you where I was going. I, you, you know, it wasn't, you didn't tell, and I didn't, you didn't say don't do it and then, then I did it anyway. I just, you didn't say that, so I didn't know. How many ladies have heard something like that at some point in time from your children? Yeah, I know. What's really in my heart, I'll just cut right to the chase this morning. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My mom's not here anymore. My mom passed away a number of years ago. But I think on a regular basis, Mom, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I did the things that I did. I'm sorry the way I treated you. I'm sorry the way I smarted off. Yes, I smarted off to my mother. Once. Mom learned real quick. I was not very big when my mom learned, oh, would you like me to repeat that to your father? (laughs) No, no. But then even even as I grew up and, and became a man, I became a man. I don't need no woman telling me what to do. Even as adult men, we treat our mother terrible. It's terrible. What are we doing, guys? Hello. We don't mean to. We're, we're people. We're sinful. When I think of my, my grandmother and my mom, they were amazing people. Not just amazing women. They were amazing people. Um, I've shared before when I share about my testimony that the reason I'm saved is because of my grandmother. Praise God for my grandmother. Praise God she prayed for me and didn't stop. Praise God when other people gave up on me. She kept praying. God told me. He told me, because I asked God one time, because I had rejected God. I had pushed God out of my life, and He had said, I'm giving you one more chance. And and I said, No, get away from me. And He went, All right. He said, He told me, This is your last chance. Get your life right, or, or that's it. And I said no. And I pushed God away. And about six months later, through a series of events, kind of like the prodigal son, I came to my mind. And I asked him time later, I was praying one time, I said, Lord, why, why did you give me another chance? You said you weren't going to. And he said, because your grandmother prayed and asked me to. Praise God for praying grandmothers. Praise God for praying mothers. Now I know there's always, there's always, um, there's always the usual, but then this is the (laughs) exception to the case. That's the word I'm trying to think. There's always the exception to the case that 
fathers pray a lot for their kids. But I can tell you, I can guarantee you, that my wife prays more for my kids than I do. She does. You know, it's not, not that I'm you know, proud of that. I just know she prays for them more than I do. She's talking to me, we're, we're talking all the time. She's going, you know, I'm praying for this for them. I'm praying, you know, they, she, and I'm thinking, oh, that's right, we have kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And by the way, where are they? Well, the yard needs mowing, you know? I mean, come on. <laughs> that reminds me, I have kids. Take out the garbage, you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> But praise God for, for strong mothers and grandmothers who actually do the stuff they're supposed to do. Praying for us. And raising us. You know, there was things that my grandmother and my mother said that my dad never said. The whole time that it was very evident to everyone that I was walking away from God, my dad never said anything about it once. Now, there were specific things that he asked me, you know, why are you doing this and why are you saying this? And, but it was never about my spiritual walk with God. But both my grandmother and my mother had absolutely no problem whatsoever going, John, you know better than this. You grow up in the church. You grow up in the Word. Why are you acting this way? They had no problem. Much to my chagrin, much to my despise, it, it bothered me because they would think after a while they'd quit asking. They didn't. All the way along. My, I had one of those grandmas. She lived across the road. My, my parents lived here. My grandmother lived across the road. You'd go over there. I, I used to mow her lawn all the time. I used to do stuff for them all, for her all the time. So I'd always be over there. And so she would always, she would always bring up the subject. Why did you do this? Why did you go there? Why are you thinking the things you why why are you acting this way? Well, grandma, come on, I'm a kid. I can do it. Let me have some fun. She goes, she goes, well, it seems fun for a time will lead to death, you know. <laughs> she was kind of feisty, all right? But she had to. I mean, all my brothers were about like me, you know, big, you know, she wasn't afraid of any of us. She said what she thought. She loved God. Praise God for my grandmother. Whenever I'm, I'm feeling bad about how I treated my mom, I think of one specific instance. She, had, she would every once in a while have to bring my dad in to work. At, you know, he had to be there at 6 in the morning. So she would drop him off at 5.30 in the morning at the factory. And then she'd come over and take me out for breakfast. Because I had to be to work at 7.00. So she'd take me out for breakfast, and then we, you know, so then she would go do her shopping after that. Well, one morning, and she knew that I never locked the door of my house. Don't do that, kids. Whatever. It was a different time. It was thirty-ish years ago. It probably wasn't safe back then either, but I wasn't real smart. <laughs> but she knew I didn't lock my door, so she would just let herself in. Well, there was one night after a particularly interestingly debaucherous, I heard the word debaucherous from somebody, yes, debaucherous evening, I forgot to clean up. So when I came out of the bathroom, my mom is sitting in the middle of the living room. The look on her face... She had always suspected, but now she knew. You know, and I was so cool. You know what it's good for. Now she knows. Now she could just leave me alone. She didn't leave me alone. What the heck? She did not leave me. So we go out for breakfast that morning, and it's quiet. It's, you know, that deadly silence that your mother has the ability to produce. <laughs> actually sucking emotion and life out of the world. <laughs> Causing a cold feeling to rise up your neck, hairs to stand on the edge of your... Sitting, waiting for my pancakes, and she's just staring at me. 
And you know, you know she's thinking it, you know, and you're just like, what? So I finally said, what? She goes, you know what I'm thinking. (laughs) We didn't raise you like this. Oh, mom. She goes, John, you know better. You know better. You know you shouldn't live like this. You don't need to live like this. You know better. You've grown up in the Word. You've grown up in the truth. Why would you choose to live like this? Because I'm an individual, Mom. And I get to live my life. Though. Just let me live my own life. What a prideful, arrogant twerp. Yeah, good idea. So last week we touched on the subject of sin, touched lightly on the subject of sin. For those of you who are here, for those of you who aren't, you should get the, get the audio of it. It'll mess with you. And I've been having some amazing discussions over the last week with, uh, with individuals and with myself and with the Lord and... and some thoughts and questions have come up because when we're talking about sin, nobody wants to talk about sin. And there is nobody who wants to talk about sin on, on, on Mother's Day morning. I even told my wife, I have to ask you a question. I said, I'm going to use this example. Does this fit in the situation? She goes, what are you preaching? I said, sin. She goes, you know it's Mother's Day, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, I know. But here was the deal. My mom never had a problem pointing out my sin. Now you might think, well, what right did she have to point out my sin? (laughs) It was my mom. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, anybody who goes through what a mom goes through for 20 how many years your oldest child is at this point and beyond has every right to say anything that they have that they feel is in their heart to say, especially if it's spiritual. Stop doing that. Live your life right. You know that's sin, right? I've been, I've been in ministry now for, for 24, actually longer than that, almost 28, 29 years. When I, if you look at the volunteer stuff, I worked with youth way back. And the number one thing that I heard from parents when working with youth is, I, I, I don't want to say anything to them because I don't want to drive them away. <laughs> You're going to drive them away anyway. Until they come to their senses, they're going to go, you need to tell them the truth. You need to tell them what's true. You need to tell them what's real. You need to look at them and say, stop it. Because if you don't, nobody else will. The world, the world system, look at outside of the church. Who in the world is going to tell them they're living their life wrong? When everybody thinks it's okay to do anything you want. I mean, even stuff that was wrong to everybody, like that's just wrong, is completely okay now. This world is it's bonkers. This is crazy. See, I'm having to watch my language because, I mean, I, I, you know how I really feel about this? We can't say it in church. And I def- you're welcome. And you, we definitely can't say it. <laughs> she didn't have to say anything. See, there's something about wives, too. She's, she's in her mind, she's going, thank you for not saying that. You know, I mean, we don't have to... My goodness, people. This world is insane. It is gone. Somebody asked me, is this as bad as it gets? I went, no. It's going to get worse. Was it, is it as bad as it was before the flood? No. It was worse than. The Bible says that every thought and every intention of man was, was sin. Every thought and every intention of man was sin. There was only one human being on the earth found righteous. And that was Noah. It didn't even say that his kids were righteous. It didn't even say that his wife was righteous. They just got in because of him. 
So we're not as bad as it was before the flood. But there's a verse that somebody reminded me of this week that says that it will be. The only difference will be the church. And without the church, it would have been there a long time ago, and it'd be worse. The only reason it's not as bad as it could be is because of us. And the minute they silence us, it's done. And they're trying to silence us. They're trying to tell us that we can't talk about sin. That we can't tell somebody that's sin. And the, and, and the enemy has gotten so good at it that he's twisted it all around to going, well, I thought the Bible says it says not to judge. You're not supposed to judge me. I'm not judging. Then and we start thinking, well, maybe I am. Oh, maybe I shouldn't say anything. They win. That Right there, they won. We're not judging them. We're warning them. We're warning them. When, when your child is growing up, I know teenagers love that. You're judging me. Why are you judging me? Because you're wearing something that no one should wear. And you're wanting to go out in public with that. I don't want you to wear it in the house. Let alone wear it in public. Well, you're judging me. No, I'm trying to, you know, someday you're going to grow up, you're going to look back and go, oh my God, why did you let me out of the house with that on? My mother was not, was not judging me. She was warning me. My grandmother was not judging me. She was warning me. Stop it. Stop doing that. You know, if, if, if little kids could talk, little kids, I'm talking toddler. I know little kids can talk. But if toddler, I mean little babies could talk. If Ethan could have talked, I've told the story and, you know, he, he rolls his eyes every time. But... He was, he was crawling towards the light, the, the plug-in. And he was reaching for the plug-in. And I said, Ethan, no. And he looked back at me. If little kids could talk, I, I could just imagine, why are you judging me? <laughs> Let me be an individual. Now, just, just you know, fair play. Tally one time was doing the same thing in the garage. I said, no, Tally, don't get, not, that's electricity, don't do that. And I turn away and I'm working and all of a sudden I hear pop. And then <laughs> it didn't hurt her, it scared her. She had taken one of the screws she had found in the garage and stuck it in the, praise God for circuit breakers, you know, praise God for, it didn't hurt her, she didn't feel a thing, but she knew, she knew. <laughs> To what she had done, and she just started crying. So there, you know, how many? Okay, let's just be fair. How many of you, at some point in time, stuck something into a light, into a plug-in? Yes, it, it's all the engineers. What's it? What's with the engineers? <laughs> this is an experiment. Experiment one. Some of the engineers, or possible engineers, never made it past experiment number one. But I can guarantee you those who made it past experiment number one didn't go to experiment number two. But, ah, electricity, powerful. Okay, good. We won't be doing that again. But how many of us would look at the fact that if a parent, if a kid right now went up here and started sticking their, sticking, you know, something, a pen into the power thing, would, would think I was judging them by saying, hey, whoa, 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 don't do that. Stop doing that. How many of you would go, Oh, why is he judging them? Nobody here. Nobody. So why, if we see somebody in sin, and we know, I mean, let's just go right to the end, sin, full-blown sin, leads to death. It kills. It will kill you. If not in this life, in the one to come. We would be actually negligent, negligent parents by not stopping them, by not warning them, by not allowing them to live their life in such a way that will destroy them. 
But we live in a society where it's becoming increasingly open-minded to not tell people that what they're doing is going to kill them. You can even show them the facts. I was at a talk in, at the University of Minnesota a number of years ago, many years ago. A gentleman had come in and who had written a book on the dangers of homosexuality. And he said, this, 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 these are the medical facts of how it is detrimental to the human body. And a student stood up and screamed at the top of his lungs, Your facts offend me! Think about that just for a second. The gentleman was amazing. He stopped and he goes, Excuse me, facts are facts. Facts can't offend you. They are what are. They are what they are. The fact is, if you sin, it's going to kill you. Yeah, but let me do it anyway. You get that choice. But I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you what is. I'm just telling you that I actually I love you. If I don't care about you, stick your finger in the slight socket. I don't care. If it's somebody that I just soon not hang out, good. Go stick your finger in the light socket. Go run off the cliff. How many of you, this one is, and I, don't, I wish I could have found the actual documentation. It, it, wasn't it out in California? What's the name of the, the really amazing uh, 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 national park? Yosemite. Yosemite it was either last year or the year before. Uh, there was a place, an overlook, where there was a sign, and it said, do not go over the barrier because it is a steep decline. It, you'll, it, you'll fall. And what did they do? They went to go take a picture by the sign, and so they got over the barrier, and they fell off the cliff. Oh, Hello. <coughs> they should have done more. So why are we even talking about sin? We're just supposed to love people, right? Right where they are. We actually are. Okay, let's let's just let's define this though. We're supposed to love people where they are. When my parents discipline me, and I'll let you know, I'll just tell you right straight out here, my parents discipline me aggressively. My parents, my dad had a belt. And you're thinking, that's child abuse. Oh no, I was bigger than him. As a, as a small child. There was only once in all of the times that I got a spanking, only once, and I'm just being honest with you, where I ever felt it was unjust. Every single other time was justified. Every time. And, I'm, and that's talking from a kid's point of view. I knew I had done wrong, and I knew I deserved what I got, and I knew that he was helping me. My mother used a wooden spoon until it broke, and then she said, I'll just tell your dad. (laughs) My parents raised me to be disciplined and to treat people right. My parents raised me to love people and to, and to, uh, to be courteous and to be, be helpful and to not be a jerk. That's why it bothered them so much when I was being that. And there was no way they could physically do anything about it again, so all they could do was say something. We should love people enough where we're willing to tell them when they're in danger. And we should do something about it. Right now, the world is handcuffing us and handcuffing us. The government is handcuffing us and handcuffing us and giving us, putting, making the, the parameters smaller and smaller so that we cannot speak it. If I preach this sermon 
that I'm preaching right now in Canada, I'd be in jail tomorrow. There's a pastor in jail in Canada because he, he just said what I said just a few minutes ago, homosexuality is a sin. Heaven forbid. How can I say anything to anyone ever about their sin? What makes their sin worse than mine? You ever had that thought? I can't say anything because I I sin. Let's get this out of the way right now. How many of you in here have ever sinned? How many of you would not raise your hand no matter what I said at any point ever? Thank you. There's only one who ever didn't sin, and that was Jesus. What is anyone's hope if none of us can say anything about any other sin? What's the hope for this world if that, if that argument is true? There's no hope. There's no hope. There is no hope for this world. If that's it, You can't say another word because, well, you've sinned and so that disqualifies you from ever, ever pointing out someone else's. Now, you shouldn't judge. What does that mean? Because everybody struggles with this. Everybody struggles with with, with this. How to say this? so that it makes sense, so that it doesn't just sound like rambling. It doesn't sound like circular thinking. When I point out something in somebody's life, I'm warning them. I'm not judging them. I'm not picking on them. If I say, no, I'm not using you. If I say, it's Mother's Day. Greg, I saw this in your life. See, this is really tough. Because he's a good guy. And there isn't anything I can think of. So then I have to think like really really crazy, and I'm thinking, well, no, I don't even want to accuse that. Ask, can you share now Greg's sin? No, I'm just kidding. Because I want to use a real one. No, I don't. You see my dilemma here. We need to talk about this, but it's so uncomfortable to talk about, isn't it? Does anybody want to volunteer their sin that we can use an example? Just because you've sinned doesn't disqualify you from... Because there's been times when I've been a terrible employee. I'll just use that. There's been times in my life where I've been a terrible employee. Either I've done something I shouldn't, either I've said something I shouldn't, or there's something I should have done that I didn't do, or I've thought something in my mind about my, my employer that is not, not acceptable. Okay, so I've sinned in every way towards my employer. So that means I should never, ever, ever say anything to any of my employees that would show them that they're not heading in the right direction. How many of you agree with that idea? Yes, you would. (laughs) I should never lead that. That that disqualifies me from leading that person. That disqualifies from me ever saying anything because I've not been a good employee. There was a time when I was working in this factory where we had these carts. There were these round carts. And these carts had wheels and there was this long hallway. And I had to push them all day long from this end of the hallway to that end of the hallway. And some of you are ahead of me. And you're thinking, I know exactly what he did. Did you know that on a concrete floor with four wheels and a long hallway, you can get amazing speed? By about a third of that hallway, I could hit a speed where I could then coast all the way to the other side. And I'm doing that day after day after day until one day I'm pushing, I'm getting up ahead of speed and I jump on the cart and I'm riding it down the hallway and all of a sudden I hear, Nasal! (laughs) 
I stop, and I turn around, and who's standing there? The plant manager. <laughs> and this guy was bigger than me. He was huge. And he walks up to me, he looks down at me, and he says, Grow up. <laughs> now, wait a second. That's not fair for him to say that, because I'm sure at some point in time, he did something at a job where he didn't follow the rules, right? What's the possibility? Pretty high. But I praise God for that man. I do. I, at that moment, when, he, when that happened, I had, to take ch- I had to take stock of who I was, and I was realizing, you know what? I was acting like a little kid. And I'm in a place of business. I'm in a place where somebody could walk out from one of the other hallways at any time, and I could have hurt them. And I looked at him, and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. And I never did. I wanted to. So bad. (laughs) But I didn't do it. And praise God, somebody loved me or cared enough about me or cared enough about somebody else to say something to me. Even though I'm sure he had failed someplace in his life and really didn't measure up in all perfectness to, to point out my fault, my failure. My parents weren't perfect parents. And I know they weren't perfect kids. I know because I've heard stories. I was like, no, not my mom. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Not my dad. Well, yeah, I can believe that was my dad, but my mom. Moms are pure and holy. They're perfect in every way. After they become moms, right. (laughs) I'm sorry, Deb accepted. Deb has always been perfect in every way. But my parents had no problem saying, John, don't what are you doing? Stop living like that. Stop acting like that. Grow up. Praise God for people who who love me enough, love us enough to say something. What gives Christians the right to point out other people's sin? Because, and only because, we represent the kingdom of God. It's the only reason. There's only one reason, and that's it. It isn't because you're better than somebody else. If, if truth be told, you're no better than anybody else. It, you're, we're all sinners. We're all born into sin. The only reason was because of the grace. We were talking about by grace you have been saved through faith. It's a gift. You can't do anything to earn it. It's only because of God's grace. The only reason we have any right to say anything is because our king tells us to. Why? Not so that we can lord it over anybody. Not that we can, you know, go, oh, see, I'm better than you. Now, I've been accused of that. I've had people go, oh, you have a holier-than-thou attitude. Actually, I don't, because I know who I am. Most days, most days I think, God, you could have picked anybody else. And I wished you would have in most days. Because there's no way that I can do this. There's no way that I am qualified and enabled to do this. And he looks and he goes, you're, you're perfectly qualified. You're flawed. You screwed up. You've made bigger mistakes than anybody in this room. Okay, well, present couple. I saw Beth and I went, well, wait a second. No, I, I know Beth. I... Why? Because God has a message for the world. And that, it, the message is, you're going over the cliff, guys. You're going to die in your sin. If you die in your sin, you'll be lost forever. Eternity is a really long time to be lost forever. The message is that if you don't stop what you're doing, you're going to die. It's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. And if you're still holding on to that sin, the moment you die, you spend eternity separated from God. 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is good news. Jesus loves you, yes. Why don't we just preach Jesus loves you? Because that's not the whole gospel. He loves you so much, He sent His Son to go die a horrible death, taking sin upon Himself. He got what we deserved. He took upon Himself. He became sin. And God, had, God destroyed that sin through those people. And if you go into eternity still holding on to your sin, you will receive that punishment. Don't do it. You don't have to do it. You just need to live your life differently. You need to put your trust in God. You need to live differently. That's a message He sent us to go tell people. And if we don't, they will die in their sin. And their blood will be on our head. If we are not salt and light, if we are not the voice of somebody crying in the wilderness, guys, please don't live this way. You don't have to live this way. God's given you hope. God's given you a way out of this. Please come away from the cliff. Please come away from the socket. Don't stick your finger in there. Don't do that again. Don't live that way. Stop it. Not because I'm better than you, but it's because I love you and God loves you. And He's warning you, please don't do this. The only reason is God is God. There is an absolute truth. The absolute truth is there is a God. And He is holy. And, he, and sin will be destroyed. And if you're hanging on to that sin, you'll be destroyed with it. But you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. You can stop right now. You can turn around. You can repent. Repent means turn around. Go the opposite direction. Change your, the way you're doing things. Change your mind. Psalm chapter 7, verse 11 says, God is a righteous judge and, and a God who feels indignation every day. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. You do not have to do this. You do not have to live. What gives you the right to tell me I'm wrong? God. We're going to talk about What's sin? What is sin? When does it become sin? Why? Because right now we're in a battle. This, in this world, we're in a battle. We're on the front lines. Every day, wherever you go, you're on the front lines. You, are, you know people who are lost. You know people who don't know Jesus. And you're there for a reason. You're there to help them. No, you're not going to judge them. If you're judging them, stop it. Judging means that you look at their sin and go, I don't know how they can do that. Oh, you do that. You're one of those. Oh, that is, I'm just, I'm appalled. I'm appalled that I have to be. No. You look at somebody's sin. I look at somebody's sin and I'm going, man, I, but for the grace of God, there go I. There's, I, <sighs> praise God. Praise God for His mercy. Praise God for His forgiveness and His love. Praise God. But if we get handcuffed, if you allow yourself through the, the manipulation of words and through the manipulation of ideas, you disqualify yourself from ever being that voice, there will be people who spend eternity in hell because of that. And that is not worth it. It is better that they call you every name in the book it is better that they push you out of their life. But as they push you, you remind them one more time, I love you enough to tell you that that's wrong. That that's sin. I have a very close friend. I'll close with this. I have a very close friend who lives in an alternative lifestyle. And I love him. I do, I love him. I care so much about him, I just, it, just, it aches inside of me that he's choosing to live the way he's living. But ever since he, he told me, he, he, was a, he was a believer, he was married, he had children. And he rejected all of that and went back to that lifestyle. And every time I've seen him over the years, and I don't see him very often anymore, the Holy Spirit has always told me to tell him, you know I love you, right? And he goes, I know you love me. 
And I said, you know what you're doing is wrong, right? He goes, yeah. And then we go on with our conversation. Well, couldn't you just told him you loved him? I could have. But I, I have to obey my king. I'm an ambassador. I don't speak my own mind. I have to say what he tells me to say. And he tells me, remind him, you know what you're doing is wrong, right? Yes. Then I go on and we just talk about other stuff. And I love on him. But for the grace of God, any of us go that way. But we cannot be handcuffed. You cannot be handcuffed. You cannot stop talking just because they make an accusation. The truth is they need your help, even though they don't know it. Your children need to know. You as a parent need to tell them the truth. If you don't, most, hardly anyone else will tell them the truth. Let's stand. Father, I thank You for godly moms. I thank You for godly grandmothers. Father, I thank You for a godly wife who is, who is a godly mother. And I pray, Father, that You'll give us wisdom. Show us how to, to remind them often of how much they mean to us, how much they've sacrificed for us, how much they've given their lives daily, hourly, nightly. Thank You, Father, for the love that You've showed to us through them. Help us, Father, to, to, to whatever way we can, to whatever degree, to bless them, not only today on Mother's Day, but every day. Father, help us to be Your voice. Give us the courage to be Your voice even when we don't want to. Father, help us to be Your voice even when the opposition rises up against us. Father, I pray that with our last breath, we will still declare Your goodness, Your love, and Your mercy to a dying world. Show us this week, Lord, who to talk to. Show us this week how to love them, not just to point out their sin, but how to love them as you, show, as, as you tell us to, to warn them the way you do. Help us to do that, Father, with your grace, by your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.